0: Hello. Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible study, where we wrestle with God's word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit Christchurch org.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Christchurch Jerusalem for our evening Bible study. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening on podcast land, it's part of your part of the family. We're in uh, Leviticus chapter eighteen. So, just to give you fair warning, this is all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. If that's going to turn you off, please stop now and turn the Disney Channel on for a much nicer, wholesome entertainment. However, if you would like to wrestle all of the Word of God, please stay, and uh, we will see what we can learn uh, from this, from these, from these instructions, and how we can become better disciples of Jesus. Now, we all admit and all acknowledge. The Holy Spirit is present, It's present in my home, It's present with, with you guys. And he actually binds us all together across this uh, Zoom and podcast land, which is actually quite a privilege. So let's acknowledge his authority and his presence through prayer. And so, Father in heaven, we come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. And we thank you for the opportunity to meet on Zoom or any other medium. But we thank you for the opportunity to meet. We thank you that you have bind us together with you in, as, as one body through the work of the Messiah and the presence of the Spirit. And we pray, Lord, for your wisdom. We pray, Lord, that as we open up the scriptures, you'll open up your scriptures afresh for us. And we pray, Lord, that we will end our worship time and study tonight as better disciples of the living God and King. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as is our tradition, we uh, read a little summary from our discussion uh, from last week. The notes are in the chat. And for those that are listening on podcast, I'm hoping that the notes are also available to you. Okay, so this was our uh, Leviticus 17. Blood is very important to the Lord. And this chapter, chapter 17, deals almost exclusively with the issue of blood. We are here introduced to the prohibition from actually eating blood. This instruction was given through Moses to Israel, but it continued into the new covenant as one of the four laws given to the Gentiles in Acts 15. With apologies for upsetting any vegetarians and vegans, the truth is animals had become biblical food a biblical food source for humans following the flood. Prior to the flood, animals were used as sacrifices to God, see Abel and his acceptable offering to the Lord. In antiquity, in the pagan world, the majority of animal meat was sacrificed to pagan gods, and usually sacrifices could be performed wherever one pleased, which at its essence is an individualistic way to approach The divine. God has another way to do this for his people. And the command is to sacrifice all animals before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, this verse, to kill all the animals at the entrance of the tent of meeting and nowhere else, this verse inspired a late rabbinic argument in antiquity. Were all animals to be killed before the altar or only the ones that were to be used for religious purposes? The debate is recorded between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael. Akiva, who happened to live in the Galilee and was nowhere near the temple in Jerusalem, argued that it was permissible to slaughter animals for food far away from the altar. Ishmael argued for the stricter interpretation. Now, rabbinic debates are often left without any final resolution. Rather, they highlight the theological discussions occurring at the time uh, and less actual hal- halakhic rulings. That means, even in this case, they came to no conclusion. They just told you that we were discussing. And you might scratch your head, well, what was the final result? That's not, not actually perhaps the point. All right. The Levitical text itself is quite strict in that the penalty for killing animals away from the altar results in excommunication from the community. Jewish exegesis notes that God gives us permission to kill animals for offerings, food, skins for shelter, skins for clothing. Should we kill animals for any other reason, like sport, then it is like killing a human being, and that is something you can't do. The wilderness experience was a time of formation for the Israelites. They had been in Egypt for 430 years, and they had absorbed Egyptian diet, Egyptian culture, and religious traditions, including the offerings given to animalistic goat demons. Now, who were these goat demons? Essentially, that's unknown. What the text intimates is that Egyptian and Canaanite religion is idolatry. The Apostle Paul likewise suggests to the Corinthians that behind idols are demons, and thus there is a Christian prohibition of Christians eating meat sacrificed to idols. Now, in the desert, they had the time to internalize the instructions in Torah of God in preparation for entering the land of Canaan and becoming a light to the nations. Sacrifices come from the root word to come close. God wanted his people to draw close to him. Thus, sacrifices were to be performed in his presence at the tent of meeting. Hence. The command is actually a positive one, as it reflects the desire for God to be with his people. And it offers a clear way for the people, rich or poor, to come to God. To honour the Lord, the Israelites, as well as the strangers living among them, were not to follow their own hearts, opinions and desires in their relationship with God. Rather, they come to the Lord in the way that he made for them. And perhaps this is something we should all internalize in our own relationship with God. Leviticus continues with an extensive repetition against the consumption of blood. Eating blood was most likely a very real problem for ancient Israel. Now, God takes a strong view of the problem, as the consequence is that the Lord will set his face against the person who eats blood. The basic implication here is that God will reject the person. Who consumes blood and actually engage in hostile action against them this is obviously very serious. Blood is very important to the Lord. now why is that? We should always keep in mind that translation is also interpretation. The Hebrew word translated as life is actually the word for soul nephesh. the life is in the blood is literally The soul is in the blood. The soul and the body are somehow connected through the blood of the organism. Adam, the first man, is made up of the Hebrew words for blood, dam, and dust, adamah. His body, being made of dust, does not become alive until the Lord breathes, breathes into the body of Adam. And then the Hebrew text says that Adam became a soul. The breath of God mysteriously encouraged the soul to mingle with the blood of Adam, and he came to life. According to Jewish tradition, the souls themselves are products of the creation week. They reside in heaven in the well of souls. This is reflected in such verses in Psalm 139, verse 16, where it says, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and before I was born, you consecrated me. Similarly, the prophet Jeremiah says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. The Lord says the soul is in the blood, and it is the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. Blood is reserved for this purpose only, for the atonement of the altar, holy of holies, tabernacle, high priest, and humans. Excess is then poured onto the earth and is covered. Moses also commands us to respect the blood of animals that die in nature. Such respect for the blood of animals should give us pause to reflect then on the sacredness of the blood of the martyrs and of Jesus himself. It's an interesting chapter that the soul is in the blood and the blood covers for our souls. And even the blood of animals must be treated with respect. And this idea that souls were, were in heaven awaiting a body and then God could actually communicate to them before they were even born. And for those that were with us on Monday, that was one of the uh, uh, initial parts of Jewish philosophy. For those that weren't there, we were discussing Jewish philosophy on Monday. And uh, the, the the first sentence says that... Um, uh, God looked at a soul before it went to, to earth and said, now, now you be righteous, and don't be wicked, don't you come back to me wicked. And this sort of idea that the Lord was encouraging souls, even before they were born, to, to come back to him you know, as, a, as a righteous as a righteous soul. So that's quite interesting. All right, so here we are now, <clears throat> almost halfway through. We're well, coming up to the halfway point uh, of, the, of the Leviticus, which is like the high point of, um, of, the, of the book. And we get a whole chapter on um, who you can and cannot sleep with. And um, you're probably thinking right now, gee, most of the world should probably be reading this chapter because we've pretty much ignored this completely. Um, but we will not. We will read it, we'll study it, and we will try and apply it To our walk with the Messiah. See what we can learn spiritually and physically. Okay, Leviticus 18. I'll read and then we will uh, discuss. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you live. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and you'll keep my statutes and you'll walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, you shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother and you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, uh, whether brought up in the family or in another's home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for their nakedness is your own nakedness. Shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter brought up in your father's family, since she is your sister, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister or your mother's sister, for she is your mother's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, that is, you shall not approach his wife, she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. Is your brother's nakedness? You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman, and of her daughter. You shall not take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are relatives. It is depravity. You shall not take a woman as a rival wife, her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive, shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanliness. You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife and so make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You shall not lie with any animal. And so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. Do not make yourselves unclean in any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and you shall do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns with you, or the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations, so that they become unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you, but everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them, be cut off from among his people so keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that are that are practiced before you and never to make yourselves unclean by them i am the lord your god wow what a strong chapter that one was okay so based on a literal reading of the text the so before we get into the spiritual applications uh, out of all of that, what was there that jumped out at you? Or was there something that perhaps um, you have uh, you noticed there for the first time? David or Vida?
2: Aaron, it's me. I, I'm seeing here the, the raw side of the, the idea of nakedness. But yet, when I look at Corinthians, it says that we are yearning to be housed, if you like, with the tabernacle from heaven to cover our nakedness. Okay. From Adam and Eve, that kind of nakedness, it seems that the, the idea of nakedness being a sin, is it seems to cover a whole multitude of things. It's it not just this idea of, of what the Lord is talking about, this uncleanness, but it all points to uncleanness. But it's interesting that it's, it's not just a sexual thing. Does it make sense?
1: Okay. So, yep. So you're taking it in the very literal side as nakedness being without clothing.
2: No, no, uh, no, nakedness, as in it, it covers both physical and spiritual.
1: Okay, physical and spiritual. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. Physical and spiritual nakedness.
3: I was looking at verse 18, and does that um, put Jacob having two, two wives who were sisters at fault?
1: Yeah, that's um, uh, a good thing because what actually happened to those two sisters?
3: Well, one died really early, Yeah, but they also fought. Well, we assume that they were competitive.
1: Right, yeah. There's the implication that they become competitors, and there seems to be this, um, this, this, this sort of prohibition, and it could be that Moses was reflecting on the sacred history of the past, saying, this didn't work out so well for one of our forefathers, so let's not do this again. Um, the uh, the uh, and, and not to get into it, Sharon. But this this uh, uh, a lot of the literal reading here is directed toward the father, the sort of head head of the household. And, hey,
4: I'm innocent. Don't put words in my mouth. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and this guy could sometimes have multiple wives, and but but here the prohibition is make sure they're not related, (laughs) okay, Uh, as opposed to...
4: Hey Aaron, one before the other, make sure one dies first before you take
1: the sister, isn't it? Right, right, well, yeah, in that case, absolutely. Okay, Shimson, Rabbi Shimshon from Nigeria.
5: Yes, um, Shalom everyone. Um, Also, we note that we still make the blessings and we say, may the Lord make you like um, Rebecca and Rachel. Um and um we know that these people got married to the same person, and we are, we are appropriating the blessings um that is um, just, um, you know upon them. Um, it didn't seems to negate what they've done. Um, I, I want to see that um over the years that the patriarchs, they learned a lot of things, and um like you mentioned, that um, Moses was reflecting on it, so, they would have made that mistakes. I mean, um, they were they were not getting the perfection. But here we see so much details about um, how to relate to people. So I I want to see it as a progression that, um, that happened over the years um, in that aspect. And also for me, one of the things that jumps out. Um, let me just add that in here instead of coming back was um, the, the land, the land of Canaan. Um, the Lord warned that these things. The people before you did, and so the land vomited them. And now you come in, don't try it also. So you're not vomited by the land. And, um, you know, God continues to lay emphasis about the land. And um, it, it continues to strike me every time I read about this, uh, about that land. You know, it, it, it's, uh, it's a very special place to God. He doesn't want people to come and mess it up. Not even when you have a covenant with him, he um, can kick you out of the land.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Shimshon. The land has some sort of um, response to sin, even before the Israelites even get there. Yeah, It has a response when the covenant people are on it, yes, but it also has a response even, even before. And probably if, we're, if, we're, if we look through history, when, when Jews were exiled from the land, how did the land behave, which is an interesting thought. Excellent. Okay, great. Yvonne from Brazil, you got a hand raised.
0: Yeah, a couple points. Um, it's interesting that it starts and closes with the same idea, and then everything in between. So it's kind of like a chi- chiasm, where he says at the beginning, I'm the Lord your God, right? I'm the Lord your God, keep my statutes, not like the inhabitants and the abominations of the other nations. And he, he starts with it. And he ends with the same thing. And in the middle is all the, all the fun stuff. It's all the details. But it's interesting how there's like a chiastic uh, and he, he, the emphasis on I'm the Lord, your God. Don't do the practices like the, the neighbors, the ab- abominations and, and live. And the other thing, which is interesting, just looking a little bit forward, is in chapter 18, when it talks about sexual relations and immorality, it's that apoditic law where it's the negative commands do not do not do not do not and then chapter 20 is if you do this if you commit adultery if you so it's interesting the contrast of those two chapters that have to do with the same issue
1: okay yep i'll make a note of that that in um, chapter 20 it goes into the if you do as opposed to uh do not of chapter 18 very good thank you. Um. Okay, I got a hand raised here. All right. So this is. uh Could you help me out here? Yeah. First three. you must not do
4: what they do in Egypt. Yep. Some of the Egyptian gods. Can't remember the name,
6: but half animal, half human. Yep. Right. Good answer. Twenty-three.
1: Yep. You can't have. He's got to stay you away from animals. Don't have any uh, relationships with animal. Yep.
4: I read one time. I don't know if it's true or not. Did
1: the Egyptians have sex with crocodiles? That I, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, the, but, but there is a definite pairing of animals and humans within the Egyptian pantheon and a little bit within the Canaanite pantheon. But uh, the text here seems to imply that the Canaanites are most definitely engaging in inappropriate relationships with, with animals. And he's saying, don't do this. Like when you arrive in this land, Okay, that sort of sin has already saturated the earth. Don't absorb it. Don't do it. Don't get stuck in it. And because uh, the earth has a response to uh, to this, which is not positive. So, yeah, very interesting. David Orvida from England.
2: Sorry, Aaron. My final thing. I was I was curious about verse twenty-two. Yeah. On how, especially in the modern context of the church, where the church is. So easily accepting an idea of homosexuality, yeah, and yeah, it's so very definite what the Lord thinks of it. So, yep,
1: yeah, it is. You are absolutely so right. You cannot ignore what is in uh, this chapter in verse uh, twenty-two, uh, and of course, the the one of the arguments will be well, that's in the Old Testament, and that's got nothing to do with us. Once Jesus has come, we've been set free from the law, and so this is no longer actually binding. And uh, and that's that's one of the arguments. You know it. You've heard it. You've all heard it. And um, and there you go.
2: All oh, being incorrect, of course. You know.
1: Right, right, right. I. Correct. But that will be their argument. We we will we will we will acknowledge the literal, and then we'll also look at um, the spiritual. What does it actually affect spiritually? And then we'll see how that carries on into uh, the new covenant, both spiritually and literally. I hope. It's I okay think. to murder now. Sorry? Oh, yes, Rocky. It's okay the, to murder. It's, it's okay to murder, steal, cheat, lie. Um, we call those guys politicians, I think. Only
4: in America. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, anywhere else, Sharon. Don't worry, baby. Okay. Kate from Scotland.
7: It, it's just something very simple that struck me. It's as though this chapter now moving into this discussion is not only talking about um, what we should and shouldn't do. These are the new laws. These are the laws. I am God. But also saying anything that happened before, um, the things that you did in Egypt and Canaan, those are no longer allowed. It's like drawing that a very strict line between what they said you could do and what the Lord says you can do. And I think this will tie in with the I- idols as well. Yeah.
1: I, I was sitting on the reception on Monday with our little brother uh, Mordecai, and, um, and I asked him, the, the text of Leviticus 18, it's got some pretty strong words for the, the culture of Egypt and the culture of Canaan, particularly in relation to sexual immorality. And it kind of implies, it says, you know, these things, these were the worst, and these are the worst of the worst. So I asked, why do you think that God brought Israel into Egypt?
7: Yes. That, that, was, that was sort of the thing that I didn't quite know how that worked, and I, I, I couldn't work it into my own thought, but that's what started me on the thought, you know. Why did he put them there if he then said, don't do what they did. Is this some kind of life's lesson?
1: Yeah, I'm right, exactly. Because if you were someone like me, you know, we're all glad we're not like me, uh, and someone said, uh, Aaron, where should we put the Israelites? I would have said, Wow, well, Australia's pretty good. You know, if you've you really got to keep them around for 430 years, why don't you give them some beachfront territory? You know, <laughs> no one would bug them there. Uh, and they, and they, the, the only thing that they might pick up dangerous would be like alcohol poisoning, probably. Um, but that's about it. Um, and, and, and but no, what does the Lord do in his wisdom? He takes them to the deepest, darkest uh, dungeon.
0: To shine.
1: What, right, but what do you think we're learning? What, what, what do you think is light supposed to be learning? And what do you think the Egyptians are supposed to be learning? And what do you think we are supposed to be learning from that?
0: The Light shines the, the most in the darkness. I know my son was always complaining that he was only one of the only Christians in his high school. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's that idea of, I mean, there's so many lessons to be learned, but of course they're set apart. They were different. That causes, uh, you know, cause attention. They're, you know, of course has to have to grow and be a people to be able to conquer the Canaanites. So they have to go from 70 to <laughs> 2 million, maybe learn the script, um, but the, the, you know the the darkness and the light.
7: Right. It's like teaching your children right and wrong. You sometimes have to let your children make mistakes so that you can say, there, that's what happens when you do this.
1: I mean, God does tell, tell the Israelites, now don't do what you did back then. Moses actually says, you know, when, when in, in, the, in Deuteronomy, let's not do what we did before. Um, and, uh, but Yvonne, I think you, you've got that little. That little spark that says that got it right, you know, the, the light and the darkness, yeah, is that um, Israel is meant to be the light, but they didn't know how to be the light at the time, right? Because they didn't know much about God. Certainly, we're learning a lot about darkness. They had absorbed a lot. And, uh, and, and, and one, one of the funny things about light and darkness is when, when you're in the darkness, you can always see what's in light. But when you're in the light, you can't see what happens in the darkness. The light itself becomes a shield, right? Isn't that kind of, kind of cool? Cool. And, yeah. uh, and so you can be living in darkness and it can be around you, absolutely, but it can actually not have an effect on you per se. You can't, you're not looking and you're not seeing, you're not observing it. But they can observe you. So there is this, this, this sort of uh, idea that um, for a brief moment in time, there was a, an interesting life lesson. For, for Israel in Egypt and also for the Egyptians because did they not come out with Israel when, when they left Egypt? There was something where, we went, wow, this is actually really attractive. They're a lot better than we are and, uh, and we're coming to. Okay, I got two more hands raised before we begin. Uh, Vida and David and then Shimshon.
8: Erin uh, is just touching on what you were saying. It's verse 27, 28. The Lord God is giving them a land that is defiled it's not a pure land, it's not a holy land, this land that he's giving them is actually defiled.
1: I've never noticed that before, you're right. <laughs>
8: and, and it's fascinating that the Lord God says that he's going to, be, in verse 25, and the land is defiled, therefore I visit the iniquity upon it. So God's going to punish that land, and then the land itself will spew out the people, and God warns the Israelites if they don't, do what's right they'll also be spewed out eventually does that land ever get cleansed it by the spewing out of the people
1: uh you're asking me that's a question uh, yeah,
8: just ideas uh, on that? Example, sorry,
1: i'm, I'm going to find a friend anybody want to help me on that
2: one <laughs> Aaron, uh and i'm sort of doubling on that what veda is saying when the israelites went into the babylonian captivity wasn't that the same reason and it, and it took 400, how many years to come back? 70. Yeah. 70.
0: 70. Yep. Yes. I think as, lo- as long as there's human beings on the land, good luck.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no problem. Yeah.
1: That's, that's an interesting thought. I actually had never noticed that before. But, Vita, you're right. The land was defiled. Let's go to the promised land. It's a mess. That doesn't <laughs> no quite the postcard, does it? You know, here's the brochure. You know, you should go over here. Absolute atrocious mess. Let's go fix it up.
2: And can this be a similar pr- principle, Aaron? Because I'm just thinking, if you mess with the land, the Lord chucks you out. Is yep. it the same principle as
8: Eden? Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, that's what happened. Yes. Seems to be a lot of that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shimshon.
5: Yeah. Thanks, Sam Aaron. Um, I, I just to add to what Diva just said, um, I think it's... um. It's the land, it's the spearing of the people out that actually cleans the land. Um, Because God said in that same um, verse that um, it will require the land and the land will spill out the people. In other words, that will be the reset of the land. Um, It's going to judge the land and the land will, will spill them out so that the land becomes clean. Yes, but at the time they are entering, that's why they were ordered to execute the people, so so slaughter the people to commit um, genocide, kind of, so that the the land will be purified um, for them. Then some other thing I I did notice in our reading is that there was a law that was, you know, that kind of slipped in there, and um, it doesn't seem to follow the trends, because every other trend was just talking about the sexual um, sins, but in verse number 21, it's kind of as if it's off course and um, you know that means there must be something that God is trying to say there and which um, says do not allow your children our offsprings to be offered to Molech and um, and do not um, profane the name of the Lord, I am the Lord and it continues with the with the other things you know, it just kind of puts that in there and um, I just wanted to point out that that it's, it's definitely of course we know the, with the worship of Molech there is um, also, um, some kind of um, temple prostitution that goes with it, um, um, and other things. So, but it just comes in there and it doesn't mention anything about you know sex in this place.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yes, it, it the sentence just sort of appears, and um, and you think, okay, got, great, we got it dealt with in Leviticus 18. We will never hear from Moloch again. And yet when you get to King Solomon, he still he married a, 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 some princess and built a temple to Molech. What? What? Are you not reading your own Bible? Apparently, apparently, we're all not reading our own Bible because we've got all kinds of issues. But yes, it, it just appears out, out of the blue. Sharon.
4: It's just a quick comment, just thinking about some of these things, like all these different sexual uh, relations and stuff. Um, Back in my university days, so that would have been the late 80s. uh, I graduated in 1990 from a CS degree. But the concept was when I researched at the time, for example, okay, the average homosexual relationship was maybe seven partners a year up to maybe 150 maximum a year. So but so the concept that they were promoting in North America is that, you know, since then is that, you know, it's a great lifestyle, it's a stable lifestyle. So the concept Concept is just, it's not always what it appears to be in terms of in North America, anyways, at the time. Uh, I mean, I haven't researched it since then, but it's just sometimes these things are promoted as new ideas or fun or quote unquote freedom or, you know, but I I just can't imagine some of these things. So I don't know if it's a spirit of God in you that sort of repulses you at the thought of having sex with an animal or I don't know. I guess it's just the appetite, the human nature appetite for it or something.
1: We have a friend. Uh, a Jewish believer who served in Lebanon when Israel was in Lebanon. And uh, and he remembers uh, standing duty one evening using the um, thermal sights, looking at Hezbollah positions. And they watched the Hezbollah soldiers leave their positions, go down into the neighboring field and uh, rape a cow. And uh, he, he turned to his commander and he says, Permission to shoot the cow, <laughs> you know, or put it out of its misery. You know, um, it's horrible to think that this stuff goes on. It's an absolute, we, we read this in the text and we go, ah, people, okay, the Canaanites, we got rid of them. Don't, that, that's that sin's done away with. It seems to have constantly crept in and stayed with us. And it's, it's horrible. Yeah, don't understand it. Uh, Shimshon?
5: Yes, absolutely. What Sharon said is, um, is very interesting. Um, you, I did a, a bit of research on you, you know the, the, the homosexuality, and now it has been as, becoming acceptable in society today. Um, in, in, in time, at the time in early history, it was considered um, sexual deflation. That is not a normal thing. That was the term that was used to describe it. It was sexual deflection. but now. Um, the same people that d- described it, have, um, they have come back and to say it's a sexual orientation yeah. and, um, so that you can make it acceptable. In fact, in, in America, it was part of the um, mental health problem in the initial records of um, the, um, the psychiatric association, blah, 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 in America. They described it as a mental health problem, but later on, it was removed. And while it was removed, it's not because of a scientific reason. They had to make votes. And you see that it becomes something that becomes popular because people are describing it as accepted, not because it's medically correct. Um, people actually voted. And if you see, when people say, no, the science, the science has nothing to do with science. People actually voted to make it. And you could see that that emboldened is beginning to creep in. and That was the same thing that the Sodom and Gomorrah got to that they were so bold that they could challenge to get, you know, let's get the angel. I mean, we've had, we've had with other men now, let's go on to angels. And God says it's okay, it's enough. Let me destroy that city. So
1: what's very interesting, our culture has changed and we have become depraved, as the description of this defiled land the Israelites are entering into. And the result was that the land would vomit them out. Okay, so let's now, let's now apply that to our day. Why, why don't we? What's the land going to do for us? Any idea?
0: Same thing with abortion. Spit us out.
4: <laughs> maybe, maybe we're going to get
1: nuked. Okay, so there you go. We don't know. Okay, we have the text. The land will vomit you out. It doesn't actually physically tell you exactly how that will happen, but, but it, it's worth perhaps contemplating and thinking that um, you know sometimes many of our own trials and tribulations might be. Um, a product of our of our depraved culture. Now, God is merciful, of course. God is gracious, yes. And the prayers of the saints that have been praying for our nations and trying to heal our land, okay, that, that also has an effect. So let's not rule any of that out. But there are still spiritual applications to learn from these instructions, particularly when we have um, sexual immorality. And let's also remember, that when in Acts 15, I mean last week we discussed that there was this one issue of blood that followed in through to Acts 15. The, uh, the other one um, in, in Acts 15 was sexual immorality. This, the, what, what do we get the Gentiles to do? Well, not a heck of a lot. Just stop them doing this stuff. That it, it does seem to have an effect on the culture. It does seem to have an effect on the land itself and uh, creation itself. Um, something so beautiful, something so wonderful, something that actually creates life and actually fulfills the earth can also have this very heavy destructive element. It's very interesting. Okay, Yvonne and then Teresa from London. So Brazil.
0: Yeah, I was looking uh, at his readings. Um, well, there's, there's a passage in the Talmud from Avodah which talks about a widow and how... She shouldn't own a dog, and about bestiality. It's it's horrible. It's actually quite quite shocking. Right. Um, it's 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 uh, it's it's a bit offensive oh, if you I actually. Know, even... I
1: know that passage. Yep. Yeah. It's a discussion on idolatry, and it links in it links in sexual immorality in into idolatry.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so. so yeah, that's a little crazy.
1: And and because yeah. they were talking about it, it means that it was going on. Isn't that horrible? You know, Horrible. When you've got religious leaders discussing these things, trying to say, let's not do that. Let's not do that. It generally means that's actually what's also going on in their culture. And they were trying to put a, a stop to it.
0: One of my friends, she's a doctor, she's an ophthalmologist and um, the daughter was bringing the father. There were some issues with the eyes. And before the father came in, she just kind of took the doc, my, you know, my friend, the doctor on the side and said, Oh, by the way, uh, he's got some eye issues. I don't know if that has to do anything with, he, he, with the there's a donkey that he he right. fiddles <laughs> around with. And she was shocked, shocked. Like I guess he lived on a farm. They're simple. What is uh, wrong
1: with our culture?
0: I know she was shocked anyway. So it it's it's yeah. it's amazing how it's crazy.
1: We have to blame ourselves before we try and blame too many other people. We have to make sure that we get good teaching from our leaders on these things. No, we really yeah. do. From Right from the guys in Sunday school to the youth yeah. leaders to, to our preaching from the pulpit. We need good examples from our leaders with, with their wives and families to say this is how things should behave and should go and, and might clean up a lot of, our, lot of our mess. But anyway, Teresa from London, how are you?
6: I'm okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted to add that often one of the arguments is that it's genetic. And that, I mean, I don't agree with it, but that is quite hard, obviously. Then it takes you into quite a big debate if you say it's genetic. Um, You know, therefore, I was born with like this, so I can't do anything about it, full stop. And that, that I've heard many, many times. But I'm just wondering, and I haven't looked into this. I mean, of course, it's rife over here. Um, I just wonder if we're going to get to the point where, in the end, it's my choice if I want to practice in a certain way. I don't know. We have, we've got there with gender. You know, I can choose what gender I am. Um, but I just wonder what way we are going to go. But, yeah, that's all I wanted to add, that the... Um, genetic one is quite a powerful argument that then has needs to be dealt with
1: right yep thank you teresa yes it, it is a it is a it is one of the more common arguments that we can we can now read in our mainstream media uh andrew south africa
9: i was just thinking we're approaching the climax of leviticus next chapter i think is the climax interesting that these teachings come i don't know if the teachings become more important as we approach the climax of the book, and then we'll get the mirror image of that as we go past the climax, whether one should attach more importance to these teachings than the teachings earlier on in the chapter. Just, just thinking, really.
1: No, those are actually really good thoughts. Um, it could be that, the, that Leviticus has been building to this chiastic moment, and we've, as they say, kept the best till last. And you know, here we are on the cusp of uh, entering into the land of Canaan, and Moses saying, "Okay, well, let's let's clean up our immorality." Oh, by the way, you should see the the rubbish that we the, of the what's going on in the people that comes in. You thought the Egyptians were bad. You wait till you see what the Canadi- uh, Canaanites do. Almost said Canadians there. That was really that was a slip of the tongue. Sorry, uh, <laughs> my apologies to Ottawa. Uh, I meant Canaan. Canaan. Okay, Canaan, and. Um, and uh, But, yeah, maybe it might be that this is actually um, very close to the heart of God, that maybe when he made male and female and he looked at the garden and he said, this is fantastic. This is absolutely delightful. There's Adam and Eve, and I'm in the midst with them, and we're walking and talking together, and it's all fantastic. This is the way it's meant to be. And then we messed it up, and um, and he's always trying to – enter, not just to have a relationship with individuals, it's trying to have a relationship with households, yes? And, 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 uh, and then we, we mess up those household relationships by all this weird stuff and- um, Yeah, and
4: even in the New Testament, uh, Aaron, that Christ and, and the church are pictured in marriage and the sexual union and just correct. that amazing intimacy yeah. and union that you have just between the two, not 17 other <laughs> things <Right>. and creatures. <laughs>
1: Yes, and, and God can get quite the language can get quite um, strong, you know, when He describes how what Israel has been doing to, with other with other uh, with other gods, yeah.
7: and also there's there's, more, there's a little more than just morality, isn't there in this? And we can we can talk about it as morality, but when you see the outcome of families producing children where there's close relationships. Between, uh, even if they're married, where you have cousins marrying cousins or very close relatives, it often means that the fruit of that marriage, or and God talks about bearing fruit, this is what marriage is to, to produce children and love. The, the children that are produced in that kind of circumstance are often um, have a higher chance of developing any kind of genetic disorder, yeah. and that increases, and we're seeing an increase of that. So it's despoiling the children. I don't know. That just it, it occurred to me we earlier.
1: This, we have this issue here within the uh, Orthodox community. Is um, uh, is they have, they are doing their best to try and stop it. By the way, but they yeah. have a a uh, a high amount of um, probable a lot of probable. It's a lot of accidental, a lack accidental inbreeding, and you can get within um, Orthodox kids. A higher percentage of Down syndrome, a higher percentages of, of genetic uh, uh, abnormalities, and um, and and that's 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 an issue. Same with the Samaritan communities, okay, who who are smaller and have a smaller gene pool to choose from. You have the same problem in Ireland, really? Okay, Ireland, Ireland's got some of, some of this issue. Need more people in Ireland. Move, move to move um, to the Emerald Island. No, the- <laughs> so a small population eventually everyone becomes related then when they start marrying each other you end up with these genetic genetic issues yeah yeah so In god way. is
7: warning us about this it's not just about i mean sleeping sleeping we can't call it sleeping but having sex with creatures it's got to be there's chance of cross contamination of diseases and things like that as well as the disgust but yeah when it comes to when it comes to people
6: yeah
7: the whole purpose of of us being given the the desire, if you like, sex, is to raise children.
1: There is the physical abhorrence that some of us are experiencing when we read it, but more importantly to God is the spiritual abhorrence. There's something that's spiritually unattractive here as well to the Lord. And maybe, as Andrew was suggesting, this is the reason why it's at this high point, in the next chapter you're going to get all these incredible laws about how we're supposed to relate to each other. And there's this some part where you go, hang on, this this is these relationships, this relates to a spiritual deformity that I am that is abhorrent to me. And it's so, so bad that it actually saturates into the ground. Right. And and then the ground has a reaction. The earth itself has well, thing. that's
4: what I was going to say, Aaron, that that's a reflection of, of God that he is jealous, right? So he wants us as his first love and us as his. And so therefore, the, you know, the union of one man, one woman for life. The concept is that. You know, that that so powerfully reflects like just the unity and then just the normal human nature that, you know, lots of people in North America have open relationships, but the human heart doesn't feel good if your spouse or mate goes and sleeps with another spouse or mate, even though that theory might be a nice theory, the reality is in your psychological, emotional, mental well being, the most Our stats in North America, the happiest quote unquote people are the married with one single mate, blah, blah, blah. So we have a a lifestyle and a societal example for the world that the Christian and the, you know, the, you know, the Torah, this model of, of, of relationships is the most healthy because it was created by God. And that's how it works best for us all.
1: Great, Thank you. It
8: is very interesting. If you notice how many people in the world or nations are being displaced. It's actually, to me, quite fascinating. It's as if in the land of Canaan, God said to um, the Israelites as they're walking around, I will give you the land once the sin comes to the fullness, which is around was 400 years. Right. And And so what we see is then God displaces the people from the land. We look at Syria, we look at all different nations, and the same thing in that context could be happening. And we're not exempt in our nations because we really are becoming more and more vulnerable to adopt these ways as
1: well. Yes, one wonders, do we ever learn what we read? We've had this for quite some time now, and uh, we think, hey, let's do this. Nothing will happen.
2: But nothing in biblical prophecy
1: promises that our world is going to get
2: better, right? Because as far as I know, Peter writes and he says, by the way, everything's going to be burned up, including the elements. So uh, and, and I, I, was, I, I, pr- I pretty much think that we, we're, not go- we're not moving towards utopia. We're more moving towards a problem.
1: You've been studying revelation lately, haven't you? Uh,
6: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you can always tell. <laughs> it's, it's true. I read the back of the book and it got me mad. We're all
4: going to burn. It's not good news.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, let, let's let's and give me an amen. Okay. <laughs> amen. Yeah. Okay, so Teresa, London.
6: I just wanted to say that the holiness of God is at stake here, isn't it? Thank you. you. Know, yes. These things do not sanctify. These relationships do not sanctify God's name. And and Leviticus is all about the holiness of God. Yep.
1: This is a holiness code. And, um, and which means one of the high points, uh, one of the major points, is going to be the appropriate sexual relationships that we have with each other. Mm. And, uh, and um, yep, this is the way it's meant to be. All right, Damaris.
3: It's interesting in that um, all these sexual sins and so on, when uh, it's been said that adultery is a sin directly against God, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you commit these sexual sins, they are directly um, offensive, uh, directly offending God, because of the spiritual bonds that people create also. Uh, This is a different, slightly different, but when they have multiple partners, the spiritual bonds that you develop with each individual is also a problem.
1: Yeah let's remember, let's reflect on what David says in psalm fifty one against you only have I sinned, and you could almost see the comment going, really? well, I don't think Uriah had a good day on the day you got him killed mm-hmm. um but yes the the notion is this is actually against the lord, and uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna tick anybody off, this is probably the big guy you don't want to offend, and um the sort of gravity that um uh, that we treat the we treat the holiness of God as so light, and uh, which is which is not. And David got it. He said, "Look, look, I've done all these horrible things, but this was actually against you, and ultimately, and I need to make sure that I we get that right." And so many people reject that idea, um, which is a real, a real problem. In the up and coming lectionary reading for this Sunday, which is the um, prodigal son, when the son returns, he makes his confession and he says to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Right? He makes sure that I've, he first acknowledges that I actually I've, I've done wrong by God. You as well, Dad. And I really apologize, but I've also offended uh, the Lord Almighty. Okay. Well, uh, this has been a great discussion. It shows that um, it is a, uh, a topic that we're all familiar with. And we want to take seriously. Let's now start wrestling with the text and see if we can find elements that teach us today how to be better disciples, both as individuals and as families and as nations. All right. The Lord spoke to Moses. What's different about that sentence straight away, guys?
7: He didn't appear to Moses, he spoke to him.
1: Okay. That's always nice. Yes, he did. He
7: usually appears.
1: Yeah. How how does it, what's the other option that that it would say?
9: Back to Aaron as well. Correct.
1: Yes, this is this is not something that is just solely now for the priestly function. The Lord speaks to Moses, who is the prophet. Remember, Aaron's the priest, who's also a prophet, but but he's functioning now. Moses is prophet, and so prophetic. The Lord speaks to Moses, saying, "Now you speak to the people of Israel, not just to to the priests. It's all of Israel to everyone." Aaron.
6: Yep.
2: Does this mean that literally the Lord God is saying to Moses, right now, you are literally my voice? Because I think verse 2 is going to confirm that. so
6: Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. Speak to the people and you say to them, I am the Lord your God. Well, obviously Moses didn't walk up and say, I am the Lord your God. And go, wow. You know, we thought you was Moses, but I guess you're God now. You no, know? he is. He is in the place. We do have this idea of prophet now in the place of the Lord speaking. The Lord gives you this incredible ani uh, 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 I am the Lord your God, which occurs so often in this text. There are no other gods. These when, often when these statements appear. They come with weight and meaning. And again. Perhaps it's so close to chapter 19, which is the chiastic middle of the text, that this is actually a very important, close to the heart of God. You will not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And this is that discussion that we had a little bit before. Well, Why did you put them there in the first place then? Why didn't you put them somewhere else? And uh, for those that can't see the chat, uh uh, there was a a cute chat that the reason why god didn't put them in the land of australia is because everything in australia is dangerous and wants to eat you and they wouldn't be in israel uh by the end we might get like three or four survivors (laughs) wouldn't have been enough okay
4: You
1: you can put them in ireland yes where everything is green and then they will end up probably hating that color after 400 anyway but you will not do until you they don't do as the land as they do in Egypt, even though they have absorbed so much of Egyptian diet. Remember when they were in Egypt uh, in the wilderness. Let's go back. I miss the cucumbers. You know, I mean, out of all the things to miss, cucumbers, right? But um, they absorbed the Egyptian diet. They've been absorbed in Egyptian culture, dress, language, perhaps as well, and uh, and unfortunately, religious practices. Um, but then even worse. Now we're taking them to the land of Canaan, but don't do what they do, because uh, and, and, well, in this 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 land that's already defiled is a very interesting thing. But you'll do some cleansing. You will not walk in their statutes. And again, this idea of walk is halakha, which occurs all throughout uh, Jewish text. You put your faith into action. Right? It is something that you actually live out and walk. And so when Jesus says follow me, that doesn't just mean like follow him literally into the next room. That literally means walk in the same way as he's walking. Do the same thing that he's doing. Talk the same way that he's talking. Dress the same way that he's dressing. You know, these kinds of things. Um, it's It's very much a, I will mimic my Messiah. But you shall not walk in their statutes. Whatever they are, you'll walk in mine. You'll follow my rules, right? So if we have a God, what should we do with God? We should follow his rules and his statutes. And you see that exact same theology in the New Testament. There's no change. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And this is Luke 6. What does it say? Why do you... Don't do what I do. Don't do what I say. And don't do what I say, right?
7: Are we following Mosaic law or... God's law.
1: Ah, well, this is this question. Because
7: that's because what I would was... say. If
1: we say I'm not following Mosaic law, then all of the things we're reading today, we can do. Obviously, we're not going to say that. Ah, so now we have to try and understand. What does it mean to So
7: God's read... law trumps
1: Moses. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, what is? Sorry, the I'm Mosaic. a bit
7: simple with these words, so. No, oh, no, God's law oh, God 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 is Moses' law. Same same. same, 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 but different.
1: That's, that's so great that, that you brought it up because this is what a lot of people discuss and a lot of people um, wrestle with when we say these things. Shimshon, do you, do you have a comment on this? Is that what I? Yes.
5: When we say mosaic law, um, it's not that it, was, it belongs to Moses. It's just a reference and, um, you know, and a, a honour to him, you know,
9: can I say something about this too? Go for it. he is done. Sorry for being late. First of all, this place is actually super busy at the moment. And we had an internet issue apologizing. Next time I will be five minutes before all of the guys. Anyways, speaking of the law,
1: that's
9: why in verse two, it says, I am the Lord, your God. So everybody knew who he was, you know, he doesn't need to repeat himself, but in Judaic tradition, why does God repeat this? Because Moshe is basically telling them that I am speaking, but I am speaking on behalf of God. So these are not my laws. This is God's laws. He's speaking to you through me.
7: Thank you. That, that's what I... You, you see, you say the things I thought, but I didn't know how to say. Yeah.
1: And, and that's, what, that's what Shimshon was also saying as well. He was saying, we call it, the Mosaic law, but that doesn't mean it's Moses's idea. It's still God's idea. It just comes through uh, Moses. And so I guess that's one way of of working. There are other ways to discuss the issue, and and it's worth uh, uh, doing a bit of research, I think, and trying to come up with a good paragraph to describe it for us. So I've I've noted down the question, and I'll do my best to come up with a nice little summary um, from a few of you guys. if anybody wants to send me an email to give me a, a help, I would appreciate it. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. But um, did we finish the chapter? <laughs> oh, brother! Um, we haven't started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 issues have been have raised lots of discussions. Multi, we've we've really looked at some of these things and um, uh, just begun to scratch the surface. Wow. of the spiritual implications of what's going on. And um, so anyway, I, uh, the, the Lord, I am the Lord your God, and, and you will keep my statutes and laws, just like Yeshua says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Um, belief or faith is not knowing that Jesus is alive, because even demons know that. Faith is something you then put into practice.
6: Oh. Okay.
1: That's, that's the, the, the key. And so here we have uh, a set of issues that are very close to the heart of God, and we need to see if we can, if we're followers of the Lord, then we should look at what's close to his heart and pay attention. For example, on Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, a lovely uh, student from one European country, uh, came up afterwards, who's been worshipping us for, the few, for a few weeks and said, okay, Aaron, I just have a question. What has, has Israel got to do with me? Uh, I come to the church. I love it. I love the worship. I love the preaching. You know, I love the fellowship. But you guys are always Israel, 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 the, the Shema, the Shema, the Shema. Uh, what, what, what's Israel actually got to do with me? I'm a Christian. And I said, okay, that's a fair question. It, it deserves a good answer. Um, uh, and, and it probably require us to sit down and, and talk. Here's my answer immediately off my feet, okay? In the evening, we had had the reading from where Jesus in Luke 13 had said, I'd like, would like to gather Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, how I long to have gathered you as a hen gathers its chicks. Jesus loves Jerusalem. So I said, okay, now that you've read the scriptures, it's in the Gospels, Jesus loves Jerusalem. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. Why don't you love what he loves? Okay, perhaps I mm-hmm. don't have to. Okay. Well, let's just pretend that you have a boyfriend, but he doesn't like anything you like. He, in fact, he hates everything that you like. You like, you know, um, comedies. He likes horror movies. You like uh, steak. He's absolutely a vegan. You, you know, you like the beach. He only likes mountains. You like the warm weather. He likes the cold weather. What kind of relationship are you going to have? You're not going to have a good one. So it really should be, be like, if you follow the Lord, you probably should begin to like what he likes, especially when he turns around and says, walk after me. So it's a, it's a small answer, a bit more complicated than that, of course. But here we have this, 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 these, these laws before us. We should study them and take them to heart.
6: Yes.
4: And God's spirit and God's spirit changes your desires, right? Where normally your human flesh lusts after things. And, you know, the flesh is never satisfied, you know, like it always wants more, wants this, wants that. But then I think the spirit too is an integral part of that. When you receive that spirit, it changes who you are. So your ideas, values line up with God.
9: We also have examples, examples of walking with God. Does anybody recall where we find it? I tell you one example. And tell me if you remember the second one. Noah walked with God. But who walked before God?
0: No one.
9: Abraham. 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 Abraham
1: Everyone walked with God. That's right.
9: Abraham, What's
4: the difference, Mark?
9: That means Noah always seeked God's assistance. He wasn't a strong man. I mean, he was a strong man, wasn't strong enough. He always wanted God. To walk with him, always guide him. But Avram Avinu was a great man of faith, so he walked before God. He just got it and he walked and he did it. He heard and did it. He didn't need more guidance all the time. Oh ah, you told me to do this. but how am I supposed to do that? He didn't have that. Well,
4: well he kinda he kinda messed up there with Hagar, but
9: <laughs> no, that's go go read it. Go read your Bible. Go read your Bible.
4: What? Okay, so but then Adam walked with God, like same, 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 but different.
9: No,
1: they're not the same. Otherwise, that'd be the same words, Sharon. Yeah.
5: yeah, yeah, Sharon, you see it in in Genesis seventeen.
1: Yeah,
4: but what's the difference? Like, so you're saying that, like, uh, like, uh, like Abraham had a different faith than Noah, or what are you talking about?
2: Sure, sure. The idea when you walk before God, it's walking before His face. So. So, you know, it's like the idea that we speak in Latin, "Corum deo. We are always and forever before the face of God. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness, right? And guess what, you know? So so obviously there was the connection that the Lord was watching over him and Abraham too.
0: And it says that Noah was righteous in his own generation. So there's there that concept also that, that he might only be in his own generation, but if you compared him to the generation of Abraham, then he might not that's be right.
1: That's a, a Jewish exegesis. Yeah, and that's admitted. And uh, and Job is also righteous, and he's also not in the land. So there's a few, few other things, uh, things there. The point, Sharon, is that there is a difference in the in the in the word usage in the text, and in for Jewish exegesis, that begs uh, investigation, and that's the reason why they ask the question: um, What is the difference of walking? with the Lord and what is the difference of walking before the Lord. And, and hence the, what you get is, uh, is Mordecai's um, uh, dis- discussion for us. Okay, so keep my statues and walk in them. That is, put these into practice, right? That's what that means. I am the Lord your God. Again, cements it. It's, I am the Lord your God. In in uh, in verse two, and then again here in verse four, and it's, it cements these this uh, what's inside uh, verse three. You shall therefore keep my statutes. If a person does, okay, this is going to be probably a long discussion. If a person does these, he will live by them. What does that mean? Oh. Mm. Does that mean it's actually possible to live uh, and gain eternal life?
9: Wow. Yes, it basically means in the world to come. Okay. <clears throat> because there was a, a rabbinic discussion in Torah, but if we say this, that the verse refers to living in this world, then does he not eventually die? So basically everybody die. That means it's going to happen in the world to come.
4: That's an interesting thought, Marty. because my version says, like, so you're looking at verse 5, are you boys? If you obey mm-hmm. my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them.
6: Hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's
1: an interpretation. So remember that in, in, in the um, uh, 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 translation is interpretation. You can't avoid it. So I'll, let's have a look at the actual text.
4: Well, so that said, what Mahdi just said, though, is what I'm saying. Like okay. the concept is that because these words are life for you. That was another version. Like, you know, in Deuteronomy, how, how Moses said these words that I'm giving you, they are life. They are your life.
2: Exactly. And and surely the, sorry to interrupt, surely the idea that we're looking at here when it says, you shall walk in them, as we we are going to connect all the way down through, through nakedness and all the other stuff, because it becomes spiritual life. We live spiritually forever. and That's what he's talking about. So if you broke none of these laws, you would actually live forever with the Lord God, right?
9: I just want to say something about the Hebrew translation. Reverend uh, will understand what I'm talking about. It says, life in you it says actually it's going to be a life in you so it's of course all in the world to come but also in you as well mm. so like i will dwell among you that's the same thing you know like
4: oh like right now right here right now we benefit right now and right here even from following these laws as well you mean
9: yes Bahem in
6: you
2: I to because. Because Jeremiah also says, and it's going to pick up in the, in, the, in the NT, where it says that when you get to the new covenant, my laws, these laws you're talking about be written into my heart, right?
9: Yeah, yeah.
2: And then you're going to start living life through Christ because he is the one that's going to do that for you.
1: Yeah.
2: So, so yeah. that's the. isn't that what we're talking about, that
1: life? Well, that, that life that you're talking about doesn't then end and goes into the world to come, which is the rabbinic discussion right. because they go, hang on, what does it mean by the man will live because eventually he's going to die? Like, he just can't eventually, he will die. So, no,
4: even, but then Jesus said, then you will never die. Right, so this exactly.
1: Is the so, therefore, you have the multiple levels of meaning. You live, you, gotcha. you, you, you put them into practice in this life.
2: Aaron, if we're looking on a physical level, I get this, but we have to actually eye this through the eyes of, of the spiritual level, right? Well, you do both. You do both, but. What's the difference? But when we're talking about the eternal part of this, that the Lord is talking even through the law and through the new covenant through Lord Jesus, this is the spiritual foreverness, right? Because well, our bodies are fallen and they will stay on the earth.
1: Correct.
7: But we the will simple. be in eternity. Sounds, think, we are good. already in eternity, aren't we? Yeah, your spirit lives yeah. forever. We are in eternity now. You are,
1: but you're still here alive today. On earth. Yes. And, and so you remember, you can't separate the two just like, we read in, 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 in Leviticus 17, the yes. soul is in the blood. There is this interesting, mysterious connection between the spirit that was made during the creation week and the physical, and they live and work and operate together. Until
4: Have, um, you do physically die, though, Aaron, because then they separate, right. right?
1: And Which is why the, the, the rabbis also say this has to apply to the world to come because eventually you do die. But yes. you can't devoid it away from what you physically do in this world. The soul
4: doesn't die, but your spirit, your body dies.
1: Yes. Habakkuk 2.4, let's have a look at what Shimshon wrote in Habakkuk 2.4, because it also mimics the same thought of the prophet. The righteous will live by his faith. Right? And so when is he going to live by his faith? He's going to live. By
4: whose faith? Wait. By God's faith. Ah uh, could be me. Uh,
1: Your faith,
8: God's faith.
1: Correct. It's the who is the his and it's used Sharon. Habakkuk two four is quoted three times in the New Testament. And yeah. in each case it means a different person.
4: Okay, you don't think it's God's faith, like Christ <laughs> in faith? In Romans God. it's
1: God, in Hebrews it's the Messiah, and in Galatians it's you. And that's a good classic Exeg- ex- exegesis the point oh, perfect. is
4: perfect we're all one perfect
1: <laughs> the <laughs> lovely i we should stop there
8: <laughs> can i give off a question going back to that verse uh, verse five it says and if a man do them he will live in them yep. does that not equate to what romans ten three 3 saying or 5 is saying for moses describes the righteousness which is of the law that the man which does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this way. Say, not in your heart who ascends to heaven and who dies. Is, that not, is he not quoting, referring to the same thing here?
1: Yes, he's referring to the some part of it. Okay? It's got multiple levels of, of, reflect, of reflecting. There'll be those that try and say, well, I'm doing all the good things. Now let me into heaven. As opposed to, I believe in you, so now I'll look like you.
4: Your goodness is not good enough. Sorry. Aaron,
2: can I ask a question here which is puzzling me? If you connect the nefesh to the blood, right, the soul to the blood, Lord Jesus shed his blood for us. Yes. As the first resurrected body. And he appeared to the disciples and to Mary and a few others. Yet he had no blood in his body. What is living in him at that point?
1: How do you know? How do you know that he didn't have any blood in his body?
2: He shed it all. Well, because
1: Lord Jesus,
6: because Lord
2: Jesus said, "I'm not a spirit. I, I, I'm, flesh I'm, I'm flesh and bone." He never mentioned blood. So
1: uh, right, and, so and, he, if, he's flesh and flesh without blood. It. That's an interesting form of flesh you've got there.
4: Yeah. The resurrected body, boys in Corinthians.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one because it could eat and digest food. Yes. Yes. So it's I would cooked. say I would say that the same body. That went into the tomb is the same body that walked out of the tomb.
4: No, oh, it's resurrected. It's dead.
6: <laughs> yeah, no, I- don't,
4: you, don't you think, though, Aaron, he has a different body from, from Corinthians, Aaron, Aaron Ivey?
6: Nope.
4: Okay, Aaron Gann? Yeah, no, just the same
6: kidding.
1: guy. As, Paul's, <laughs> as, as John says in Revelation Behold, I saw the lamb as it had been slain.
4: But in my flesh, I can't see Him.
1: Scripture says,
4: "You are not your your sin in you. your flesh cannot stand before the living God without getting fried." That's you. In. That's you. The no, you that, too.
1: Yeah, that's the. That's, the <laughs> that's you.
4: No, like seriously, you know that concept, the scripture that that's why we need a new body. You know, in in, the, yes, in that's
1: scripture. you. That's not Jesus.
4: I know. Jesus needs a mean, new body. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah? Very good. All right, so. I think we'll leave it there because as soon as we go on any further, we get into the discussion on um, uncovering nakedness, uh, some of the different sexual immorality that uh, occurs in the the, uh, Canaanite area. We can then apply that to what we see going on in today. But we need to understand what are the spiritual implications of not following this halakha? What's going to happen with the land? How does the land react to us? And does this have connections with taking dominion over creation? And what does that mean? That's an interesting thought, don't you think? That um, is dominion over creation simply good farming practices? Or is dominion over the earth also following the Lord and having a spiritual application to control of the earth? It's an interesting thought. We'll think of some of those things, okay, next week.
0: Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org Blessings from the City of the Great King.